Hi, this is Jamie Court. I'm the president of Consumer Watchdog, and we're, you're listening to the Rage for Justice Report, our weekly podcast where we talk about what we're exposing and confronting and changing this week. And we're very lucky to have Michael Lighty with us this week. Michael is an old, old, old friend going back decades, been working on single-payer healthcare forever. He is the president of Healthy California and a consultant for the National Union of Healthcare Workers. And he was just involved in a huge um, uh, fight in the California Assembly to move single-payer healthcare along. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing very well, Jamie. Great to see you. Great to be here. Great Thank to you. See you. It's been a long, long time since yeah. we've seen each other. Um, well, uh, tell us what happened in the California Assembly. You know, single payer healthcare near and dear to our heart. This is a this is the plan that would basically create a healthcare system like every other country in the world. Uh, that's that's uh, a, a developed nation uh, has. It would allow for the government to bulk purchase prescription drugs to to have one payer, essentially like a Costco, which drives down the hospitals and the doctor's bills and insures everybody. And you don't have to worry about co-pays and deductibles. It is the dream plan for anyone who studies this uh, issue. So tell us what happened in the assembly this past week. Well, AB fourteen hundred uh, had had stalled for many months, but then they developed a financing plan. The author had, uh, and so we're able to move it to the Assembly Health Committee, and then onto the Assembly floor. As that developed, the bill uh, lacked sufficient support, didn't have 41 votes in hand in order to pass, which is a hard number, as you know, in the assembly. And so rather than go down to defeat, probably by double digits, according to the author, Assemblymember Ash Kalra, uh, they decided to live to fight another day and pull the vote. That's essentially what happened. I think the most uh, significant thing prior to the floor vote were the amendments that uh, were adopted for AB 1400, which essentially meant that it was an intent bill. A board would be established that could pursue the federal support necessary to develop a financing plan in California, certify that, and then bring it all back to the legislature by July 2024, and then put before the voters uh, after that. So really, that that was not going to enact single payer in one fell swoop. It was going to establish the first step in a process uh, to get there. And, you know, uh, we, we, we know uh, the bill ran into some trouble. And um, the real question was, where is Gavin Newsom? Gavin Newsom, in order to get elected, uh, very early on came to the organization you were working for at the time. I was there. I was in the room. Uh, it was 2017, 2017, I think, when he was got the early endorsement, like, years before, two years before he ran for office from the California Nurses Association. <laughs> and it was in a big ballroom in LA. And he is, he embraced single payer, said, if I'm elected, I'm going to do it. But then the legislation came around and apparently he hadn't even read the bill. He said, I haven't even read it. So he obviously didn't work to support it. Some people suggest he actually worked to not have it come to him so he wouldn't have the headache. What's happened with Gavin Newsom and what can we expect from him? Well, this this is a key question, Jamie, and and you're right. We were in the in the ballroom when the confetti went off uh, <laughs> for the CNA endorsement. So, uh, and here's and not only that, but we had like it was like seven eight hundred nurses, like all with selfie sticks, coming on stage <laughs> taking pictures with him. I remember and he was like Matthew McConaughey on stage, <laughs> smiling. You had the it was an unbelievable event. Um, 
Yeah, I was. I'll never forget that event. Uh, yeah, likewise. Uh, great theater. Got to make it real, and that's the question. Uh, my understanding, actually, from folks in Sacramento, was that unlike Governor Brown, uh, he did not work it in the background to prevent it from coming to his desk. I think he stayed out. I don't think that's great, but I think it's different. The key, the key question is he he understands the policy. He ran on the policy, so. Is he going to lead? And that's been the focus of our coalition, Healthy California Now. He set up this commission, which is to study, quote unquote, unified financing. He put forward a letter to the Biden administration saying, hey, let's figure out a way to do, you know, the federal uh, waivers, so-called the support mechanisms for getting uh, a state plan in place. But he hasn't led. He promised to lead. And he even acknowledged during the campaign that it takes governor leadership to make this happen. And yet, uh, either through the influence of, uh, you know, folks around him or just the pressing concerns of other things or uh, a change of heart, we're not sure. What we do know is that the Healthy California for All Commission is still moving towards some kind of proposal for building steps towards single payer. The reports they've gotten have been very favorable to that and have clearly made it clear that the present system is unsustainable. So we put in a petition to him. We've done demonstrations at at the Capitol urging him to lead. And so I really do think it's crunch time because those things that the amended AB 1400 did, he could do through leadership. And so the onus is on him. And quite frankly, uh, his rhetoric about universal access, uh, it's not the same as guaranteeing healthcare to all Californians. Coverage is not care. You know this better than anyone. What does it mean to have insurance? <laughs> well, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the healthcare you need. And the governor, I got to believe, understands that. And it's up to us to hold him to his promise. And, and the idea is um, the governor has to get a, if, if we're going to do single payer in California, a couple of things have to happen. One is it's got to go on the ballot so that people have to support it. Two is we need a waiver from the Biden administration to basically uh, under the under the ACA, uh, the Affordable Care Act, there is an option for states to basically go out on their own if they get a waiver that would give them a waiver around ERISA, this federal law and a bunch of other issues. But someone needs to apply for that waiver. Can he apply for the waiver without legislation? Well, we had a little. uh uh, dust up over that question uh, over the last year and a half. There are certainly some uh, guidance issued by the Trump administration that suggests the governor can act on his own through executive order. Um, there's a general consensus that it takes legislative authorization. He could still get that. He could go to the legislature and say, hey, let's embody the principles of AB 1400. Let's uh, authorize a process to bring together stakeholders to conduct the public comment that the ACA requires, and then engage with the Biden administration. Bring that approved program back to the legislature, including the financing, and then have them flesh it out, design the full program, perhaps based on the recommendations of his Healthy California for All Commission, and then send it to the voters. That could all happen in the same time frame envisioned by AB 1400. So it is true that... Um, you know, there are, he's got to initiate these steps. Governor Shumlin from Vermont, when he was trying to do this in uh, before 2014, initiated informal negotiations with uh, the Obama administration. 
Governor Newsom could do that. He's got a friend who's head of the Health and Human Services Agency who ultimately rules on this. It's purely an administrative question. It's not a legislative issue. So, so the, the, let's acknowledge the gorilla in the room. He has taken an unbelievable amount of money from the health insurance companies, which will stop at nothing to stop, stop to, to, to stop single payer because if single payer goes in, there goes their profits, there goes their executive company, there goes, there goes the companies, everybody, but I think Kaiser is the only HMO that would survive, the only health system that would survive because these these are companies that don't own anything, they don't have hospitals, they just they just push paper around and take you know 20 cents on the dollar for that profit. Uh, so they have given him not only a lot of campaign money, but a lot of money, I Blue Shield, Blue Cross gave him a lot of money during COVID to do a PR campaign uh, to what's called the behested contributions. I mean, they, they gave him uh, so much more money than they could have ever in campaign contributions. And, um, and I mean, how much does this friendship with these companies um, have to do, you think, with um, with 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 him uh, not pursuing single parent? I mean, and we, we know Kaiser, for instance, just got this sweetheart Medi-Cal contract. We know a, a top aide, uh, Jim Debu, right? Uh, his ch- chief uh, is basically his executive secretary, his so-called chief of staff, uh, has worked for these companies. Um, there's a lot of relationships there. There's a lot of money. That's what he hears in and out every day. And on the other side, you have his ideology. I, I, I believe this. I'm going to do it. And then you have all these other things. How do you break through? Uh, to let him know that he's got to stand with his ideology if he wants to be president, if he wants to pursue, and you can't you can't just give in to the people around you. You can't give in to the insurance companies that that support you. Well, we have to make I think those contributions and that relationship politically toxic, because these are companies that profit off of human suffering. It's it, this is ultimately a movement to save lives, and it's unconscionable that these companies who be, who benefit from curtailing lives and undermining the quality of life, denying health care, should have this kind of influence. And it's it's so in some sense it's a moral question. I almost think it's not so much ideological as policy. Here's a guy who gets it. He knows, and the policy case is strong. His Secretary of Health and Human Services, Dr. Mark Galley, is leading this Healthy California for All Commission. They've received report after report on the gaps, the inequities, the fundamental disparities revealed by COVID pre-existing the pandemic that make the present system unsustainable, dysfunctional. The Consultants report says that this year we're going to spend $517 billion on health care. I remember the Republicans during the AB 1400 debate saying, oh, my God, single payer is going to cost $400 billion. <laughs> Sounds like a deal to me. Uh, we've got a, uh, spending over the next 10 years, if we stay with the present system, which still doesn't cover everybody, has huge gaps, has the out-of-pocket costs you were talking about. We're going to spend between 323 and $496 billion more than if we did single payer. So I actually think, Jamie, to answer your question directly, the way to get through this is by making the policy case with the governor. I don't think that's all we have to do politically. I think we've got to do a lot more with the voters. But that's really where I think our strength is. And if we can influence the commission, put sufficient pressure so that they have to come up with a real plan to get to single payer, why wouldn't he do that? Let's expand health for all, right? Uh, 
giving undocumented folks coverage in Medicare, Medi-Cal. That's good. It's not, it's completely necessary and right, but it doesn't yet solve the problem. Right. And I think this is somebody who, if he does have bigger national aspirations, is not just going to want to mealy mouth it around universal access. He's going to want to demonstrate, like he did in San Francisco, that this is real universal health care, that people get the care they need and deserve. And that's what Secretary Galley has said publicly as part of the commission. And I think that should inform the governor. I mean, you know, that's I think we won the policy debate a long time ago and we keep winning the policy debate. Politically, I mean, there's there is no dispute that it's cheaper, it's better, it's it's more uh, efficient, and it, it and, and people don't have to worry about being denied claims by the insurance company because they're greedy. Um, but how do we break through politically? I mean, I'm wondering how is Bernie Sanders going to react to news that Newsom said he was for single parent and 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 didn't follow through? How's Ro Kahana going to react? How are how are the, how are the progressives, you know, nationally who Gavin Newsom needs to run a presidential campaign going to react. And what are they going to say to him? Um, those guys always, but Bernie Sanders stands by single payer. He fights for single every payer, every opportunity he has, he pushed for it. He just hasn't been able to get it through. Gavin Newsom has all the opportunity and apparently no, uh, no desire to push, to use his, his platform to do it. He's acting a lot more like Kamala Harris than Gavin Newsom. Well, uh, and, Let's but take that example. I mean, if he has ambitions, say the president doesn't run for re-election in 2024, the lane available is the progressive lane. I can't speak for Senator Sanders or Representative Khanna, but that lane is occupied by Medicare for all supporters. And if you're not one, that's not a lane available to you. Uh, I think it's pretty straightforward political case. I think also how many times does he want to go through? AB 1400 is going to be back unless he leads next year. AB 1400 is going to be back and he's going to be in the same cycle pretending or, or actually uh, not you know, paying attention to it. And that doesn't work for him politically. Let's imagine a re-election scenario where he's out front and saying, okay, I really do have a plan to get to single payer. We can't take it in one step. Here's what I'm going to do based on the commission's report. That shores up a chunk of his progressive base in his re-elect this year. Imagine if if that uh, issue, Medicare for all, which is hugely salient among a chunk of the Democratic base. After all, Senator Sanders won the California Democratic primary. Let's say you lose a chunk of that base and your reelect numbers are less than they were for your recall. That's not a good that's not a are good you setup. Saying there's going to be an effort to organize that. I'm saying that it's he's vulnerable to such an effort in the reelect. Not that there's going to be a primary challenge, but that the base may say, you there's know, not what? Going to be a, there's not going to be a general election challenge. That is <laughs> one Republican, right? Who and he's I, I don't even know him. Like right. I mean, they may not, or somebody right. like that. Declared. I mean, there's, there's no one. He's not. He's running against himself. Well, and indeed, that's a formula for progressives to say doesn't cost us anything exactly. to sit this out. And are you saying you know, are you saying that that is an effort that is going to go forward if he doesn't give us some guarantees? I, I'm not saying that I you know, am going to be engaged in that effort It's premature. I think there's an opportunity here for him to lead through the Healthy California for All Commission. I'm saying you asked for the political case. Right. And I'm saying politically, he's vulnerable to such an outcome. They cannot take 
the core of the progressive base. This is hugely popular among Democrats in California. It's like 80 percent in the polls among Democrats, majority overall, but 80 percent among Democrats. You've got this is a very salient issue among a chunk of that progressive base. And, and if I'm looking to have a strong reelect, even if it's you know on an unopposed basis, I don't want progressives sitting this out. And I don't believe people are going to buy it. They know the difference between Medicare for all and universal access. And, and that was proven, I think, a number of times in 2016 and 2020, subsequent races. And so, and statewide office holders in California have generally supported this. Certainly, Senator Padilla does, right? Um, and well, it's easy for Padilla to support it when we know it's not going to get through the U.S. Senate. I mean, this is the, this is the politician dance always. It was easy for Jerry Brown to support until he became governor and then didn't support it. It's mm. easy for Gavin Newsom until he becomes governor and sits it out because the legislature didn't give it to him. You know, all the progressives are for single payer until it becomes a possibility. And it is a possibility right now. So, Michael Lighty, thank you for joining us. It was really great to hear your perspective. Uh, and and we're going to we're going to keep following this. You'll be back. And uh, I can't wait to hear whether there is an effort to let Gavin Newsom know that uh, progressives are going to sit this out in this next election if he doesn't uh, get a plan to deliver single payer soon. So thank you. You've been listening to the Rage for Justice Report. I'm Jamie Court, president of Consumer Watchdog. Uh, if you want to know more about Michael or uh, single payer, you can go to consumerwatchdog.org. And you should uh, hopefully subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts on Spotify, on um, SoundCloud, at the uh, iTunes store. Again, Jamie Court, Consumer Watchdog. Thanks for listening.